You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Three, two, one... But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer, Jim Calhoun. Welcome NASCAR in, icon, Dale four. Earnhardt Jr. Curtis Street is the podcast, on the phone. America, Sports Podcast. It is Wait. Friday, January 28th, 2022, people. I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody's having a great day, and I hope everybody enjoyed Thursday's bonus episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. No big deal. Just your boy Aaron Torres chatting it up, yucking it up with the coach of the number one team of the country, Bruce Pearl, the Auburn Tigers. Really fun interview. As always, I appreciate Coach Pearl making some time, but I bring up that interview, one, because I hope you listened, but two, it's because we're going to be talking a lot of Bruce Pearl and a lot of Louisville on this show. Because on today's episode, as soon as that episode yesterday went out, we get a report on Thursday morning that Louisville has contacted Bruce Pearl. I'm going to tell you why I don't fully 100% believe that report, even though I think the reporter who did the report is excellent. I am going to tell you why, even if that report is true, it's actually a good thing for Auburn, as weird as it sounds. Then from there, I'll talk a little bit about the realistic coaching candidates at Louisville, and then we'll bring in my old buddy, Nick Coffey, from 790 KRD in Louisville. So be warned, this is a very Louisville basketball-heavy show. Forgive me if you're not a huge Louisville basketball fan, but I do think this is the biggest story in sports. This is the biggest story in college sports, I should say. And right now, we got to cover it. So I'm going to talk about the Bruce Pearl rumors. I'm going to talk about potential candidates really quick, although I kind of hit on that on last episode. Then we will bring in Nick Coffey, 790 KRD. He hosts a morning drive show in Louisville, and he gives us great insight into the program, the athletic department, who's realistic, who's not, all that good stuff. From there, I will come back on the back end, preview a little bit of this weekend that is coming in college hoops. Really, really fun weekend. A bunch of really good games, especially in that Big 12 SEC Challenge. I'll also, by the way, no big deal, give out my conference championship game picks, AFC, NFC, etc. With that said, let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day is sort of Aaron Torres related. It's not intended to be. But as I said, Thursday, I had Bruce Pearl on the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. I'm incredibly grateful every single time that Coach Pearl gives me time, but especially the week, the first time ever that Auburn is number one in the country, he came on this podcast, and so I am forever grateful for Coach Pearl giving me time to speak with him to have him on this show. But I bring it up because within mere minutes of me posting the interview, 
on the podcast feed, what happens? We get a report that Louisville, the school that just got rid of Chris Mack as its head coach, has already reached out to Bruce Pearl as a head coaching candidate. And let me just say this. I really respect the heck out of the reporter who put out this report. Auburn Live is the website. Justin Hawkinson, really, really talented reporter. Uh, really good guy. I've been on his podcast. I like him a lot. I don't know him well, but I think he's very good at what he does. I bring it up because while I like him, I don't totally fully believe the contents of this report. I don't believe some of it makes sense. And I do believe there's some ulterior stuff that's going on here. But let me also say this. I will tell you why by the end, even if it is true, it's actually a good thing for Auburn fans that Louisville did in fact reach out to Bruce Pearl. Now let's get into the report itself. And before we do, what do I always say when a report comes out like this? Who benefits the most by having a report like this out? Okay, so I want you to think about that as I tell the story of what has happened over the last few days between Auburn, between Louisville, Chris Mack resigns. There's now a report that Bruce Pearl has been contacted by Louisville. And look, there's always, you know, there, there's always nuance to all this stuff. And, and sometimes when a report gets out, it is true, right? Sometimes it's out there for two, three, four weeks. Nobody denies it like Lincoln Riley didn't really deny any reports that he was interested in leaving Oklahoma. And so maybe there's some truth to that. But in this particular case, I want to lay out the facts and I want you to think about who benefits the most by having this report out there, okay? So let's get into the facts of this situation. And as I told you on, my, on Wednesday's show, when it comes to the Louisville job, the single biggest issue that I believe that Louisville is going to have in hiring the kind of coach that is going to make Louisville fans happy it's the fact that they don't have a full-time AD right now. They have an interim AD in place of the AD, Vince Tyree, who resigned back in, I think it was around December time. Nick Coffey and I will discuss it in a little bit. But as I said on, two, on Wednesday's show, I said it is going to be tough to get a really good coach to leave any kind of good job for Louisville. I think Louisville's a top 10 job. But when you don't know who your boss is going to be, when the guy doing the interviews might not be the guy that you actually work for, it is going to be hard to get a really good coach to leave a job. And so why do I bring it up? It is because this Louisville report came out about Louisville's contact with Bruce Pearl within basically a 48-hour window of not only when Chris Mack resigned, but when Chris Mack let the world know that he was interested in resigning. So I want you to just think about this in the bigger picture. You have Louisville. You have an interim AD. I looked him up. He's around 40-ish years old, younger guy, never been an AD anywhere else. This is his first time being an AD. And on Monday night, Louisville loses to Virginia with Chris Mack on the sidelines, okay? Louisville loses to Virginia with Chris Mack on the sidelines, which means it's safe to assume that as of at the earliest 10 p.m. on Monday night, that Louisville's AD had no idea that Chris Mack was planning on resigning. I think that's reasonable to say, right? The game ends about 9 o'clock. There's no reasonable reason to think that, with, that before, say, 10 p.m. on Monday and really probably Tuesday morning that Chris Mack intends to resign. Then Tuesday comes about Tuesday, 3 o'clock Eastern. We get the report from Nick Coffey that they've called a board meeting, that the coaches show has been canceled, all this good stuff. By Wednesday, we know that Chris Mack is set to resign, that he is negotiating a lowered buyout. And then by Thursday morning, we already have a report that Bruce Pearl has been contacted by Louisville. And so to me, in my head, I'm just sitting here saying this. I don't claim to have all the answers. But let's just think about this. First time AD, 
never made a hire anything close to this magnitude. Maybe he's been on some interview, maybe he's been in some interviews, blah, 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 this and that, but he has never been in these shoes. So this guy is such a baller. He's such a shot caller, if you will, that from Monday night, he went from having no idea that his head coach was going to resign to accepting his resignation, negotiating a reduced buyout, because remember, Chris Mack was owed $12 million. I think he got somewhere in the neighborhood of $5 million. This AD was able to accept the resignation, negotiate a buyout, put the new, the new coach in place, and then by Thursday morning, within a 48-hour window, reach out to Bruce Pearl and his representatives. And it's not like you could just get a hold of, like, like as an interim AD, it's not as though he has, you know, the, net, the network to just call up any agent or any of this or any of that or any of that. Like, it takes time. Got to find out who represents Bruce Pearl. How do you get a hold of that guy or girl? What time are they available? How much can they talk? It's not as simple as just dialing one number when you're 40 years old and you haven't been in the industry. And so to me, I don't know that I believe this story because I don't think this guy can pull it off. And it's no disrespect to him. I'm sure he's a great guy. But I don't know that he can pull it off. But here's the other reason why I don't believe the story. It's not just because of that. Let's assume that this happened the way it's reported. That Louisville did reach out to Chris Mack sometime before Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern time or so when this report broke. Let's assume that. Well, here's my question. And again, it goes back to what I said a minute ago. Who benefits the most from this story being out? Let me ask you a question. If Louisville, let's assume that story is correct, that Louisville really did reach out to Bruce Pearl. Who benefits the most from that story being out there? And more importantly, who benefits the least from, Bruce, from that story being out there? I would argue that if it's true, and if there's interest from Bruce Pearl in leaving Louisville, I would argue that it, it, it frankly actually benefits nobody for this story to be out there because, one, it just allows Auburn to go to the negotiating table and, and get Bruce Pearl, uh, you know, whatever he wants. But then, two, it also, if this story is true, if, if Louisville reached out and there's interest, it doesn't help Louisville, but it doesn't help Bruce Pearl either because he's got the number one team in the country. He's got to get them ready to play on Saturday when they play Oklahoma in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. And so when I see this report come out, I'm saying, who does it benefit? Then take it a step further. Not only who does it benefit, who put out the story? To me, I would argue that if, Bruce, if there was interest in Bruce Pearl and Bruce Pearl was interested in Louisville, it would hurt Bruce Pearl more than anyone for this story to be out. And to be clear, by the way, I had Bruce Pearl on my podcast. I asked him one question about coaching jobs. Um, he gave, I thought, a great answer. Uh, he just said, look, when you're winning, everybody's afraid they're going to lose you. When you're losing, everybody's terrified. Everybody's ready to push you out of town. And so I, I believe that Bruce Pearl is fully focused on the task at hand. But here's my question for you. If this story is true, if Louisville did reach out, how did an Auburn website break this story? Because to me, if, there, if Louisville reached out and if Bruce Pearl or his representatives took the call, wouldn't Bruce Pearl want to keep that under wraps? So how did the Auburn site get a hold of it? If anything, Louisville, somebody in Louisville should have broken that story because somebody in Louisville is going to be really excited knowing that their school's going after the most high-profile candidate they possibly can. And so I bring it up because the fact that this all happened within a 48-hour window, the fact that it came from an Auburn site, Bruce, if, if, if Bruce Pearl didn't want this information out there, there's no way this information would be out there. And so you're probably asking yourself, so why did it get out, how did it get out, and what does it mean? What it means to me is that somebody in the Auburn basketball, I, this is my interpretation of that report. Again, 
48 hours of when the job was basically 48 hours of when Chris Mack even acknowledges that he might not be the future head coach. There's already been contact with Bruce Pearl. You actually know what this reminds me of. Remember when Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma for USC and remember like 10 minutes after that, Adam Schefter put out a report of uh, Cliff Kingsbury could be interested in the Oklahoma job. Cliff Kingsbury wasn't interested in the Oklahoma job. Cliff Kingsbury just knew his team was falling apart in Arizona. He wanted a contract extension in Arizona. And so I'm not saying that Bruce Pearl specifically put it out. I'm not saying that somebody in the basketball office has put it out. But to me, what this says to me is pretty straightforward. And it's pretty, it's actually in the article. Is that I, I do think somebody with ties to Bruce Pearl, maybe an agent, put it out there because there are probably things that Bruce Pearl wants from the university that he has not yet gotten. And I don't blame him. No job is perfect. The, the, the best coaching job in America, there's something that John Calipari's unhappy about. There's something that Nick Saban's unhappy about. There's something that Ryan Day feels like he doesn't have that he needs to compete with Alabama. So I'm not criticizing anyone for asking for more. But to me, what this report says is that Bruce Pearl's camp saw a window. Big time job, my name's being linked. If I want to get from Auburn what I want, Now is the window because I have all the leverage. I have the number one team in the country. I have a a, a big-time job that could potentially be interested in me. So let me put this out there right now so that we can start working on the process to get what we want. And I would take it a step further. That's kind of my read on the situation. But it is worth noting that later in the report from Auburn Live, Justin Hawkinson, who's a great reporter, I should mention... He does reference, like, stuff's got to get done here to keep, to keep Bruce Pearl. Here is a direct re- uh, 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 quote from the report. First of all, apparently there is talks of building a men's-only basketball facility, which, should get, which is going to be discussed uh, here uh, in early February at the next Board of Trustees meeting. But here on top of that is what Justin Hawkinson wrote at Auburn Live. Pearl currently makes right around $4 million annually, and his contract runs through 2023-2024. Rick Barnes of Tennessee makes close to $5 million. Chris Beard of Texas makes close to $5 million. Jay Wright at Villanova makes $6 million. That's where Pearl needs to be at minimum. Auburn's administration had an opportunity to recently address the pay issues, but instead told Pearl that raises for the staff weren't going to happen at the moment. According to sources, Auburn's administration has been reluctant on addressing certain items that Pearl and Co. want when it comes to the basketball program. That simply cannot continue. That tells you everything you need to know right there. I'm not, listen, I could be completely wrong on this. Maybe Louisville's AD is the biggest baller that I've ever met. And maybe he had Bruce Pearl's number in his phone or Bruce Pearl's representative's numbers in his phone weeks ago. And maybe he knew Chris Mack was going to resign. But if he knew Chris Mack was going to resign a little bit ahead of schedule, why did Chris Mack coach on Monday night? And so to me, what seems realistic, Justin Hawkinson reported it on three sports. He says, Bruce Pearl needs to be making more money. You need to put him on the level of the elite coaches in college basketball, which I agree with, by the way. Bruce Pearl is an elite coach. Pay him as such. On top of that, can you believe this? They went to the administration recently asking for raises for the staff and were said that it wasn't going to happen at the moment. So again, what this all comes down to for me is pretty straightforward. What this comes down to is that Bruce Pearl right now has all the leverage in this situation. What this comes down to for me right now is that if Bruce Pearl needs things done to compete at the highest levels of college basketball, the highest levels of the SEC, now is the time to do it. 
not only because you have the number one team in the country, but on top of that, because of the fact that Louisville's job opened up and you can be a legitimate candidate if, if Auburn doesn't act fast. And so to me, that's, that's all this is. It's, a great rep- it's great reporting, and it's clear that Auburn probably hasn't given Bruce Pearl what he's worthy of because he is one of the best coaches in college basketball. It's not just this year that they're number one in the country. Never forget, last time, uh, you know, prior to last year, uh, 2020, first of all, I, I looked this up. I was blown away by this. In 2020, Auburn actually was 25-6 and six when the NCAA tournament was canceled. Uh, before that, they obviously made the Final Four in 2019. In 2018, they win the SEC regular season title. So look, Bruce Pearl's one of probably the five to seven best coaches in college basketball, if not, you know, if not higher. And so to me, um, you know, I, I think it's a no-brainer. Give him what he wants. But I don't buy this story that Louisville has already reached out. To me, I kind of just think it's, it's the people, you know, the people that, that have the power right now trying to leverage it. And let me say this. I said to lead the show, I said, oh, by the way, Um, I said, this is not a bad thing for Auburn, and let me explain why really quick. It's because if there really has been contact, and even if there hasn't, this now gives you time to get things right. This now gives you time to talk to Bruce Pearl, to talk to his representatives, to talk to the assistant coaching staff, to talk to the support staff, to get this guy and his staff what they want. This isn't a bad thing. What would be a bad thing for Auburn, this is not a bad thing for Auburn. What would be a bad thing for Auburn is if Auburn's administration refused to speak to Bruce Pearl until the end of the season, and then Louisville fired uh, Chris Mack or Chris Mack resigned on March 15th, a day before the NCAA tournament or a day after the NCAA tournament, and you know Bruce Pearl is, is a free agent because the season's over. Right now you got six weeks left in the regular season plus the conference tournament plus the NCAA tournament. If I'm Auburn, I call up all those boosters and I say, let's throw some money in a pot. Let's get this figured out. I actually think it's a good thing for Auburn. They have you know, somewhere between about five weeks to eight weeks to get Bruce Pearl what he wants. That's exactly what I would do if I was Auburn. Waste no time. Don't wait for more jobs to open up because they're going to open up. And if you screw around, somebody's going to give Bruce Pearl what he wants. Somebody's going to give him the salary that he deserves. Somebody's going to give the staff the salaries that they deserve. Auburn, act fast. With that said, I did talk a lot about coaching candidates on the last show. I'm not going to spend a ton of time here um, but what I will say with the Louisville thing is it, the job is really interesting from a couple perspectives, okay? I do believe that in the grand scheme, the Louisville basketball job, if we're talking about Louisville, take Bruce Pearl out of it, take Nate Oates, McCro- take any candidate out of it. I believe that that Louisville on the surface is one of the 10 best jobs in college basketball, and I believe it's somewhere closer to five than it is to 10, right? You can order, you can argue Kentucky's number one, North Carolina's number one, Duke's number two, Kansas is number three, whatever. But I would say, to me, in some order, it's Kentucky, UNC, Kansas, Duke. Um, I think Arizona is right there. Arizona has a crazy fan base. They get all the money in the world that they need for anything. Um, you know, I, I, you can argue Indiana, but Indiana has been so irrelevant for so long that I think Louisville is somewhere probably between five and seven, four and seven, five and eight, somewhere in there. It's one of the best jobs in college basketball. Okay. And so when people ask me like, is Louisville a better job than Auburn? Yeah, it is. Like, that's no disrespect. Auburn is the truth. Is Louisville a better job than Alabama if Nate Oates is a candidate? Yeah, it is. It really is. UCLA, it's probably a better job than UCLA right now. I love UCLA, but the, there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes at UCLA that whatever. Um, 
But I bring it up to just very simply say that it is a great job. But when you talk about candidates, and I try to belabor this point, I try to bring it home every single time that I talk about Louisville, you have to do it in the context of the current climate. You can't do it in a vacuum. It does matter what is going on right now. And while this is a great job, I'm not arguing that. Like I said, I think it's no worse than about seven or eight. That's at worst, probably closer to five or six. There are some outside influences that are going to impact who will take this job and who will even listen. First of all, as I said, interim AD. AD leaves in the offseason, and any coach that has a good job that is happy where he is at is not leaving the job that he has until he knows who the new AD is going to be. Now, it's always possible that you find the one guy that is unhappy where he is. And there's always one guy. I mean, I remember there's a famous story of when Frank Martin left uh, Kansas State for South Carolina. Frank Martin had it rolling at Kansas State, and he basically just couldn't get along with his AD. And he's like, I don't care where it is. Get me out. I'm done. There's other guys, Buzz Williams. Buzz Williams is kind of famous for, you know, kind of, uh, you know, how do you uh, evaluating different jobs differently than other people and so yeah maybe there's a really really good coach that you have no idea is interested in leaving and is willing to leave even without knowing the AD but to me I do still think the AD matters and I do still think that's the first thing for Louisville you have to find somebody to be the permanent AD nobody wants to leave a good job if they don't know who they're going to work for and number two the NCAA sanctions do matter like the NCAA sanctions do matter I do think they're important, and so because of it, I think that 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 has to be an element of it as well. Now, it didn't stop Louisville from getting a good coach last time. It's not going to stop them from getting a good coach this time, but when you start to talk about that we may not know who the boss is and there could be potential NCAA sanctions, I do think it'll scare a lot of people away. Now, in terms of candidates that I think are realistic, and and I should mention, by the way, any candidate that has a background of, of lack of NCAA compliance, I don't know if the fans care. But I do think maybe the administration might care, especially depending on who the school president ends up becoming. With that said, a couple candidates that come to mind. Um, First of all, what I would say, Bruce Pearl is an obvious one. Bruce Pearl is a very, very, very obvious one. Um, But I just kind of laid out, I I seem to get the sense that I think he wants to stay at Auburn. He just wants to know that Auburn is going to give him everything he needs to compete at the highest level of college basketball. And when you have the number one team in the country, I don't blame you. Now is the time to ask whatever. So we already just did Bruce Pearl. I'm not going to go over it. I will say, I don't think the Mick Cronin conversation is crazy, okay? So Mick Cronin has a little bit of background. Maybe you heard. He is the UCLA head coach. He has a team that's in the top 10 in the country. He has a team that just beat Arizona at Pauley Pavilion in a jam-packed house in one of the best, I would argue, one of the best performances any team has had all season. They dominated Arizona in that game. But at the same time, there are reasons that McCronin could be interested in Louisville. Never forget, he is from that general area. He was an assistant at Louisville under Rick Pitino. He knows how good that job is. He knows how much the the city of Louisville cares. He knows how much the state of Kentucky cares about college basketball, that there is no bigger stage in college basketball than Kentucky no bigger stage than the Kentucky-Louisville rivalry. There, there's nothing bigger in college basketball. There is no place that you will be covered more aggressively, that you will matter more as a college basketball coach than in the state of Kentucky, at Kentucky, at Louisville. And I will say, McCrone, I don't know him well, but I, I've talked to him enough to know, I don't think he's a guy that's going to shrink from that stage. I think he's going to elevate it. That's why he took the UCLA job. He said, I could stay at Cincinnati forever. I want to challenge myself at the highest level. Well, the highest level, UCLA is certainly in that mix, but so is Louisville. 
I think all things considered, they're kind of parallel jobs. But when you consider the fact that Louisville will probably um, that that Mick Cronin is is from the Louisville area, he was an assistant coach, he was in Cincinnati forever. Um, I think he's going to at least listen. And I think there's other factors too. I mean, I I don't think the COVID situation at UCLA has helped things. Um, you know, Mick Cronin was very public two weeks ago saying how it was unfair to his players to have no fans in the stands at Pauley Pavilion when they went to Utah and Colorado and had packed houses. Now, that's been fixed, but let's be honest. The stuff that's out of Mick Cronin's control, we're one more wave from UCLA shutting down the the, the on-campus arena again. And so I don't know. Like, I guess what I'm trying to say with Mick Cronin, I don't know if that would – I don't know if he – I think – well, I guess – let me backtrack. I think what I'm saying is if Louisville says we want to talk to you about our vacancy, I think he will at least listen. Now, there are other factors. One, does he want to leave UCLA after two after three years? Two, as I said the other day, he's got an elite recruiting class coming in, Amari Bailey, Adem Bona, both McDonald's All-Americans. He's really got it rolling. Um, and three, like with all these great candidates, there's going to be a big buyout. I, I looked it up. I believe his buyout before March 31st of, this, of 2022 is somewhere in the neighborhood of $8 million. Can Louisville afford $8 million to buy him out of his contract just to probably pay him $7 million a year to come to Louisville? Maybe they can. Maybe they can get the money together. But I do think that is something worth noting when it comes to Mick Cronin. Um, in terms of other guys, you know, I would say Kevin Willard at Seton Hall is an interesting one. He's another one that is tied to Rick Pitino. I will say straight up, I've heard both sides of things. I think from the fan base's perspective, I think they would love a guy that has ties to the Rick Pitino era that understands how much Louisville basketball matters and how big this program can be when it is operating at its highest level. I will say I do think that will scare some in the administration. Now, as Nick Coffey and I will talk about in a minute, I do think it's worth noting that most of the administrators that were there when Patino was there are long, long, long gone. So Kevin Willard at Seton Hall, um, you know, I've kind of long felt like he's probably due for one more job in his career besides Seton Hall. Now, does the fact that Seton Hall struggling, does that hurt him in pursuit of this job? I don't know. Do his ties to Rick Pitino hurt his job, his status? I don't know. It's also worth noting, he has said some not nice things about Louisville basketball in terms of how they handled Rick Pitino's firing. I don't know if that would potentially be held against him. Beyond Kevin Willard, beyond Mick Cronin, Um, You know, I will say another one from the Big East, Ed Cooley. I've seen that name. I don't necessarily see that one as as obvious. Uh, He's he's from Rhode Island. He's been at Providence for a while. He has Providence operating at about as high of a level as they've been in about 50 years uh, since Dave Gavitt and John Thompson was a player and Marvin Barnes and whatever. Um, But, you know, again, Providence, Big East, small Catholic school, they have a lot of money. But Louisville probably can offer some things that, that you can't offer uh, uh, you know, that you can't offer at Providence College. First of all, again, city school, um, huge, huge, huge fan base, huge, huge, huge donor base. Um, again, I, I didn't mention it off the top, but uh, Louisville, it plays in an NBA arena. Nick Coffey mentions it, but basically Louisville is one of the two or three biggest cities in the country that does not have a professional four sports team. And so could Ed Cooley just be looking for a bigger stage? Could he say, I have taken Providence in my home state as far as I can. I need a bigger challenge. It's worth mentioning, Chris Mack did the exact same thing at Xavier. Xavier was his alma mater, and he felt like I've taken this thing as far as it could go. Uh, Ed Cooley, I think, is an interesting candidate as well. You know, I've seen some Brad Underwood. I don't see the Brad Underwood thing happening. But what I keep coming back down to is this. There is one candidate that I do believe is more likely than anybody else. And again, it's with the nuance that 
there is no AD in place right now, and until there is, it's hard to know which candidates are realistic and which ones aren't. But as I said on Mon- on Tuesday's show, I still think Kenny Payne's the guy. Kenny Payne, former longtime Kentucky assistant, now in the NBA with the New York Knicks, probably helps that the Knicks aren't playing very well right now. He might want to get back to college basketball. Probably helps that there probably isn't a huge buyout that we're talking about in terms of his contract. He played at Louisville under Denny Crum. He is a tie to that era. Um, And he's recruited at the highest level for for 10 years at Kentucky. And so he can go out, he can get the players that you need to compete at the highest level. He knows what that rivalry is about. He knows what's at stake every single time Louisville basketball puts on its uniform and steps on the court. If I had to guess... Uh, I would guess that Kenny Payne is your next Louisville head coach. But listen, this is going to be a fascinating story. We'll continue to monitor it. There's going to be new reports. Obviously, if you remember back to uh, not only last offseason when Indiana opened up and all that stuff, but you know, even this fall, I mean, how many updates did we do on LSU as we got new information, USC as we got new information, uh, Oklahoma as we got new information. So I will monitor this, uh, but I believe today Kenny Payne's the number one candidate. I think Mick Cronin would at least pick up a phone call. From there, you get to Kevin Willard, Ed Cooley, guys like that. Bruce Pearl, we'll see what remains to be seen. But uh, but yeah, those are the guys that are com- coming to mind for me. All right, great Louisville segment, a lot of Louisville talk. And you know what it's time for? How about some more Louisville talk? Nick Coffey, radio host in Louisville, 790 KRD. Um, Nick Coffey is just a rock star, man. Nick Coffey's a great friend of mine. Love having him on. Love talking Louisville basketball. And he made about 45 minutes for the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, which I am so, so, so grateful for. Uh, But Nick Coffey is going to come on. We're going to talk about all angles of this Louisville job, the benefits, the drawbacks, what's realistic, what isn't. It's worth noting he and I recorded before the Bruce Pearl report that Bruce Pearl was interested. Coming up next, Nick Coffey, 790 KRD, to talk more Louisville basketball. All right, joining me via Zoom, you know, my old buddy, Nick Coffey, used to be my co-host here. Uh, he's gone on to bigger and better things. But every once in a while, you know, I do, I still do get the DMs, the texts, hey, you got to get back on coffee. I hate to say it, Nick, but probably I got a half a dozen, you got to get coffee on this week text for all the wrong reasons. 790 KRD in Louisville, you should be listening to his show, but especially this week, uh, 7 to 10 Eastern time, the red zone. Nick Coffey covers Louisville better than anybody. I don't want to say what's going on because I know what's going on, man. How are you? I'm doing good. Staying busy. Um, as you could expect, there's no shortage of things to discuss. And uh, this is the first time I, that not only have I ever gone through a coaching search with the platform like I have, but like Louisville fans have never been here. I mean, they've never, unless you're somebody that remembers the coach that was between Denny Crum and whoever, I mean, we're talking people that would have to, and, and again, that was a different world. So uh, this is a wild experience. And I, I think I'll say this to get our conversation started. I've learned I may not be built for this. I can't handle people saying crazy, nonsensical things when a coaching position is available. I just can't resist telling people, shut the hell up. You sound dumb. Pardon me for being so blunt, but that's that's how I'm doing, Aaron. Okay, so there's a lot of layers to peel back here. First of all, when you say that Louisville fans have never been through a coaching search, the reference is that Chris Mack, uh, was, was so Rick Pitino was there forever. 
Uh, Chris Mack was deemed by, you know, before the job, I guess as soon as the job opened, he was deemed the favorite. Xavier goes on to a number one seed. He's hired shortly after they're eliminated from the NCAA tournament. So let's just talk big picture on Mack, and then we'll get into the candidates, what's realistic, what's not all that good stuff. But uh, how did we get here? Because you and I, well, frankly, I'll just be honest. I was one of many people in the media, and I'm not claiming I know Chris Mack well. But I was one of many people in the media that thought this was about as safe of a hire as you could possibly get coming off a number one seed. I thought he had the personality for the job in my interactions with him. Um, and now, you know, not only is he out after less than four years, uh, you know, there was obviously a disconnect between him and his team, him and the media. Um, like, how did we get here? Because it seems like everybody universally thought this was a great hire, myself included. I'm not trying to absolve myself from that and that he was kind of, quote-unquote, built for the limelight of Louisville. I think it, how we got here to where it just ends and he doesn't even finish his fourth season, just two seasons after having the number one team in the country for at least a few weeks. I mean, it is it all happens so quickly. I think the beginning of the end for Chris Mack was the aftermath of missing the tournament last year. So they... They had some circumstances that were out of their control. They missed a bunch of games because of COVID. They had more pauses than I think just about anybody. And uh, they were the last team that didn't make the cut. And had they made the cut, I don't know if they would have won any games because I don't think last year's team was particularly good. But missing the tournament at Louisville when you have a team that appears to be good enough is just not something fans can, can, can tolerate. I mean, you were on my show after they lost to Duke in the ACC tournament last year, and it was quite clear that they were going to be in a really tough spot as far as getting a bid. And I remember telling you, man, like, hey, fans are, you know, this guy just had a number one team in the country. That team was good, didn't play in the tournament. He brought in a decent class, but those guys didn't develop. Like, I was learning, and you were my therapist, essentially, as my guest on my show. Like, man, these fans, they really think this guy might potentially be out soon because he missed the tournament. Well, sure enough, he does. And really, changes he made after that, that was that was the, that was the downfall. I mean, start with the the, ch the 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 change he made as far as Dino Gaudio, Luke Murray. That could not have worked out any worse for him than it did on not only a professional level as a coach, but on a personal level. That got to Chris Mack more than anybody knew. People just assume well, he's a basketball coach. It's competitive. It's cutthroat, which is true. But he's a human. Dino Gaudio was like a father figure to him. That rocked him a little bit. Now, is that why Louisville wasn't very good this year? I don't know. Probably not. But that was tough. And then he went out and made some hires. And one of the hires he made has been one of the – it'll be remembered for – you may not even know the name, Ross McMaines. 20 years from now, Louisville basketball fans are going to bring up the name Ross McMaines and just laugh because we were told this basketball genius was about to come in and just be so innovative and they're going to play fast and loose and spacing and all this and that. And the Louisville offense this year is one of the worst in, in college basketball. In fact, they are dead last, I believe, as far as uh, offensive uh, efficiency in the Ken Palm among Power 5 teams, Power 6 teams. I mean, they're that bad. So, anyways – it it all just became a disaster and then the 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 suspension you know that that's when i think he knew that man this is a really rough seat this is a tough spot my ad has left the president has left i've got to win big this year and then he comes off that suspension and louisville got worse as it went along and um i never you know a month ago two weeks ago when you and i were talking Aaron, i never thought this would be how it sort of ended but what it came down to is I think Chris Mack was true. And when he said this would be his last job and he was much more content with life after basketball than I think anybody would have believed. I mean, Mack, Mack essentially retired on his team. I mean, that's what he's done. He was the one who was very, I mean, 
I still believe it was more of a him thing than the school thing as far as moving on. And clearly the school was fine with it. He did them a favor. He could have fought and they might have owed him 12 million. I mean, he could have fought for his job, but he didn't. And I think right now he's he's truthful in saying he's not going to coach again. Maybe he gets the itch in a couple of years because it's really all he's ever done his whole life. But it is wild as I sit here and reflect on just how quickly things unraveled for him. I mean, we knew it was happening in real time, but now that it's now that it's over, the Chris Mack era is officially over. It is wild to think that that just two years ago to the day. You know, we were talking about this team being a national championship contender, and now he didn't even get to finish his fourth year. When did you get a sense like, oh, like this is moving? Because so, you know, not to share too much of our personal whatever, but, you know, I did a segment on, on the podcast probably about it was after the pit game. So it was probably about two and a half weeks ago. And I just kind of called you like, hey, no one's really talking about a Chris Mack hot seat on a national level. Like, am I totally off base here? And, you know, I don't want to divulge, divulge personal conversations, but I got the sense of, like, I think it's probably a little bit more serious than people realize, but I also don't think that I thought it was coming down in the next two weeks. Now, they lost two of three immediately following that pit game, but, like, was it after the pit game? Was it after the most recent game? Like, was there, was there a scenario like, – like, let me, let, me, let me phrase it this way maybe. Was there a scenario after the, the most recent game, which was Monday night against Virginia, that by the time Louisville takes the court again, Chris Mack will not be the head coach? I think after the pit game, that was when you and I talked, right? Yep. And if you'd have called me three days beforehand, I would have said, yeah, this is a mess. But, man, you know, it, it is what it is. They'll ride it out. Uh, he's got, you know, enough. I, I never thought we'd be here when you and I had that but two days before you and I had that conversation. But it was after the pit game. I could sense that he was defeated, uh, really defeated. And then I think at that point he had accepted that this was going to be the end. Maybe didn't know exactly when, but that this was going to be his last season. And things things continued to get worse. And I'll tell you what, when they lost to Notre Dame, when Russ Smith had his number retired and they lost to Virginia, that was a different coach. That was a guy who, again, was defeated. I don't think he quit. I don't want to say that he didn't care, but now it all makes sense as, as far as how different his demeanor was. He wasn't angry. He wasn't showing as much emotion. He was just kind of talking up his players and how they're going to keep working hard. And um, it was just, again, now that we've seen how it played out, it, it, that was the end. So I think the pit game is what got him. I think that's when he did some reflecting because that that honestly was the worst loss. And, you know, it's how you, when you look at, you know, the, the Ken Palm efficiency and whatnot, that was Louisville's worst loss since the Ken Palm existed, which is 20 years now. So, you know, and, and fans might have been as ruthless as ever then. So uh, what I find crazy, though, is you're right. Louisville, what, Louisville and Mac wouldn't mention as a potential uh, departure by a lot of folks nationally, but mostly because Louisville hasn't mattered nationally. Yeah. I'll, I'll say this. It was probably it was clearly in the works when this happened, but they played big Monday on they played on big money against Virginia. And that was the first time I saw other folks. And I know you, you mentioned it on your podcast last week, but that was the first time I saw other national talking heads, if you will, in college basketball kind of say like, Oh wow! Like Louisville's going to get a new coach, aren't they? Like, can you believe? Like, it seemed like that was the first time nationally people realized, damn, this thing went south for him quickly. Yeah, and it might just be my relationship with you, or maybe I was a little bit more plugged in than other people. But yeah, man, you know, and it goes back to even our conversations last year when Louisville missed the tournament of like, you know, basically like, oh, this is even worse going into the season, coming out of the Dino Gaudio stuff, etc. A couple more on Mac, then we'll get to the job. Um, first of all. Uh, the the personality stuff. I thought he was the right fit. I think most everyone else thought he was the right fit. 
Now everybody's saying, oh, well, I, I knew this wasn't going to work. He's not cut out for this stage. Uh, what, what do you say when somebody says something like that? I think it is absolute nonsense. I think it is people who who just are looking at it failing and saying, yeah, you could see the signs. I mean, I, I no, Mac was the home run hire. There wasn't a coaching search. He was the guy. It was boring from what we do. There was no real talk of candidates. He was the guy. And he would have been the guy even if they didn't have a new AD. Tom Jurich, if he was if he was able to stay and get rid of Rick Pitino because he had to, he would have hired Chris Mack. Chris Mack would have been a top candidate for other jobs. And as far as the personality thing, my goodness, the the Louisville fan base was aroused that he was a relatable human. Rick Rick yes. Pitino was a larger than life celebrity that treated us like peons, and we were okay with it because <laughs> he was Rick Pitino. He's larger than life. He's a phenomenal coach. Um, Chris Mack was a relatable guy was engaging with the fan base. They loved him. Don't let anybody tell you differently. If Chris Mack would have won at a high level, he could have been himself every day like he was, and people would love him. You know, for example, uh, just go back to the, the, the video that he did last offseason where he called he, – he was, it was, you know, attention Cardinal fans or Card Nation, and he called out Calipari. Fans loved that. Do you remember that? When he was like – What's convenient for him? They think I'm chicken. We'll do whatever's convenient for Cal. Game on. Like, that was a moment that you – I mean, and again, there's a video that the timing of it was bad, but the video in his basement where former Louisville Cardinal Eric Wood, former NFL Buffalo Bill, who's a big Louisville fan, is like neighbors with Mac. He did the video, and the timing of that was terrible. That, that was leaked after they lost to North Carolina by what seemed to be about 45 points, right? And the team had just had COVID pauses. It was a bad look. And somebody who leaked it, I know who it was, they did it to, to try to sabotage Chris Mack. Well, had that come out the night Louisville beat Kentucky that season, fans are losing their minds saying, yeah, he's drinking in his basement. He's having beers. He's one of us. So it's, I mean, excuse my language, it's bullshit. Anybody claiming that his personality was the problem. Now, I will say this. When you do have struggles, your personality matters more. But that's not why it didn't work out. It didn't work out at the end of the day. A lot of factors that went into sort of the, the downfall of it. But at the same point in time, it, he didn't win at a high level. And that's what you have to do here. That's that's the ultimate. And that's why it actually, I think the transition and the departure wasn't messy because, again, factors kind of worked against him. But regardless, now you throw in, didn't win at a high level, and that's why he's gone. Like if Chris Mack, and somebody, some people question sort of, hey, since he didn't get a year, year, a full fourth year, will other coaches look at that and say, yeah, I don't want that job. They're not even fair. Because it got so bad here at the end, that's not even a conversation. I agree. Uh, I agree. And I think, if anything, I think it shows coaches that do want to compete at the highest level. Um, th this is a place that it's no joke. Real quick, last one on Mac. You know, I thought about this the other day. We talk about the 2020 NCAA tournament. We talk about Dayton and Obi-Tah. Oh, my goodness. Dayton, San Diego State, it was their best team ever. Florida State, too. What's that? Florida State, too. Florida State, Seton Hall. You know, how how that tournament could have changed the fortunes of so many programs. If the 2020 tournament is played, is Chris Mack still the head coach at Louisville? And my concept being, even in a bad year, they're, pro they're probably a two or three seed. They probably make a sweet 16 at worst. Let's assume he doesn't go on some crazy run and makes a Final Four, but he makes a Sweet 16. He made the tournament in year one. Does he still have a job or does it not matter? I would say if, they may, if that tournament is played, he's still employed here because I think they would have probably been a three seed. I think they would have made the second weekend, which is not necessarily the standard here, but that matters. Um, now, we'll say they were not playing good basketball at the end of the season, and that is something that has followed Mac really 
his entire career as far as how regular seasons end. But you know what? Some of his best tournament runs have been when his regular seasons ended up crappy. So I think to answer your question, yes, because I think not only would that I mean that would have given them more buzz, more momentum. They would have probably been able to hit the portal better after selling a tournament run. Um, I, I don't know how much different the results would be overall. Um, you probably still have maybe Luke Murray and Dean Ogadio. I mean, I don't know if that that COVID honestly impacted. COVID caused a lot of tension within this staff that is no longer together. And and so yeah, if that if COVID never never entered the picture. I absolutely think Chris Mack's still here because I also think last year they would have played a lot more games and they would have made the tournament and people wouldn't be able to say that he ever missed the tournament here. And that is the, again, to go back to what I said just a moment ago, lack of winning at a high level is what got him. That's totally fair. You know, it's easy to forget now, but there really was a pretty limited out of conference last year. It was mostly conference games, et cetera, et cetera. All right, let's get to the meaty stuff. Uh, okay. So uh, Louisville's next head coach is, I don't know. I don't know where to go. I don't know where to go. So, what Nobody does. Early, what is the early buzz? And so, you know, and again, it's part of our friendship that it helps. But like, you know, something that stood out to me and I, I tweeted this out. So it's not as though it's like I'm crushing this guy privately on, on a podcast that I wouldn't say publicly. But, you know, I see this 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 guy put out a list of candidates that includes Will Wade, Nate Oates, Bruce Pearl, Kenny Payne, a few other guys. I don't know the guy. It's no disrespect. I don't mean to disrespect him. But the first thing that two things jumped out to me. One, there's no AD and there's no school president. So let me let me even backtrack. For people who have not followed it, haven't listened to all my other segments on Louisville, Louisville currently has an interim AD and an interim school president. And so obviously it goes without saying, I think that will probably hurt them until they get an AD in place. I said on my show earlier before you came on, Nick, Louisville fans need to focus on finding an AD before you worry about a basketball coach. So that's one. But then two, what I would also say is there's the previous NCA rules, which we all know about, which immediately eliminates Will Wade from any conversation. Um, and I would think probably limits Bruce Pearl a little bit too, but I, I just bring it up to say, um, you know, I, I've said, I think Kenny Payne probably makes the most sense, but I also think any idea that anyone is putting out a legitimate list with legitimate background and sourcing is full of crap because again, we don't know who's going to make the hire, or maybe we know who's going to make the hire, but we don't. The point is, it's hard for me to envision great coaches leaving their job this second today, not knowing who they're going to work with. Yeah, it's it's a mess. And anybody who, I throw this disclaimer out on my show each morning since this has become a thing, is any list I give you is just people I think that are good coaches. I have no clue who's even making the decision of who's going to be the head coach. So the only candidate right now that is real is Kenny Payne because we know he would take the job and UofL will absolutely give him a fair shot. He will have an interview. He will be able to sell what he wants to do. And I know he's got a plan that's going to be appealing. It's going to be enticing and you can do a lot worse than Kenny Payne, but he's the only one I know right now that is a realistic candidate because I'm not ready to say that Bruce Pearl's realistic for a variety of reasons. I don't think he is. Uh, and you know, I love Eric Musselman always have, uh, if I was making I said the call, that if you don't get Mac, hire Eric Musselman. And I got mocked by everyone in the Louisville media except for you. But that's neither here. Nor I remember that. And look, I, I, Eric Musselman is a guy that you know. Jeff Goodman yesterday on my show said that he thinks if you pay, you can get him. I don't. I mean, I don't know if that's true. He'd know better than I would. But like, you know, is he a realistic candidate? I don't know. So um, there's all kinds of names being thrown out there. But here, here's the thing for me. I can. 
you can do worse than Kenny Payne. I'm not saying Kenny Payne wouldn't work here, but Louisville right now, I mean, this is we're in not necessarily panic mode, but this is unfamiliar territory, and this is such an important hire that you have to get it right. Like you can't. This is where if you if you have another max situation where you swing and you miss, that's when you sort of take a step back and you 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 become what people say is Indiana. So if if and I believe people that this is a very important hire for the program. And if that's the case, I just don't know why you would hire a guy who's never been a head coach before. That's not a knock on Kenny Payne. That's anybody that's never been a head coach before. And if Kenny Payne didn't play here in the 80s, his name would never come up with his job. Those are all, in my opinion, facts. But if, in fact, the situation is so toxic that the best you can do is Mark Pope or, I mean, I like Ed Cooley, but I wouldn't I wouldn't want him to be Louisville's coach. I mean – it, these names that I'm that I'm hearing mentioned, you know, yeah, they'd crawl to Louisville because even in a terrible situation that Louisville's in, they'd make a ton more money coming here. And also, Louisville's a way better program even under a cloud. So, you know, I it, for me, it, it, I, I'm going to try to be consistent and be fair and not make a fool of myself by throwing out names that I think because I th- it all comes down to this. I don't even know who's realistic and who's not. Uh, all it takes is one coach to say, look. Yeah, it's a mess of a situation, but you know what? It's Louisville. And there may be one of these five, six names that we think are un- undoable, but maybe they would say, you know what? It's Louisville. I can appreciate it. I think there are some coaches that sound lofty that maybe aren't as lofty as you might think, like a Mick Cronin. And I know that sounds insane because he's at UCLA. And they've I made mean, it to UCLA. But I think he's one coach that one can really appreciate what Louisville is more than others because he was here in its heyday. He's a Midwestern guy. He seems to be somebody that really values being somewhere where college basketball is top notch and it matters a lot. That's not necessarily the case in LA. So um, anybody who tells you that there's a list that the school is going after, I don't believe them. But one thing I will say is I believe people get information that they share. Not all the time. Some people just make stuff up, but I also believe you have to consider why you're getting the information. Like, I got two calls yesterday from somebody who's like, hey, this is real. Keep it. I'm like, okay, I believe you that somebody told you that, but what's the motive? They want their name out there. They want that. that, that that's what this, like, for example, I, I would tell this to Jeff Goodman if he was on the show with us right now. He says, first call you got to make is Scott Drew. Well, then in his column later, he said Scott Drew wouldn't take the job. That's you trying to help out a friend and maybe get a raise or something. I don't know. So um, it's a mess. Um, I, I get worked up when people mention nonsensical names like Matt McMahon at Murray State. Fine coach, I'm sure. But again, if you're throwing out those names, go hire the guy who you know you can get in Kenny Payne. And it may not work out, but at least he's going to have a sales pitch and it will appease a lot of people who want to see a minority candidate. And they also want him to bring back that 80s era that just feels so disgruntled. Well, first of all, I I don't think Mark Pope would be terrible. I, I'm, I'm that, That's the guy that I actually think could get uh, UK down the road here and people get mad at me UK fans get mad at me for saying that but whatever that's neither here nor there I don't know that he would take it anyway simply because you know ties to UK ties to Patino all that good stuff um, he hates Patino play. though oh does he I don't I can't keep track of who likes Patino and who doesn't well, I think most of his players are still terrified of him which speaks a lot to Patino but the, the presence that he carries the only reason I was gonna he, he brought his Utah Valley State is that where he was before yeah he brought that team to play Louisville and wouldn't shake Rick Pitino's hand. Which oh, wow. Was, yeah, I think it was more of like a morality thing for him for him, um, and Rick's you know previous discretions or whatever in his personal life. I don't know if that ever came out as what it was, but that was a big deal. He came and would not shake Rick Pitino's hand. Very interesting. We'll, we'll get to Rick Pitino later real quick. So this is what I want to do. Actually, I want to take a st- step back. You know, obviously on the national scene, 
we poke at Louisville a lot, all that stuff. A lot of bad stuff has happened. Explain to somebody that's maybe a 25-year-old college basketball fan that doesn't remember the mid to late 2000s, the 2013 national, like explain why guys like me say that. I, I think Louisville's unquestionably a top 10 job closer to five than 10. For people who, who aren't on the ground at Louisville day in, day out, explain why it is an elite job that maybe, and I'm, I'm not saying this person would take it, but maybe a Bruce Pearl would be interested in leaving Auburn for. Maybe a Mick Cronin, even at UCLA, UCLA has some issues that maybe Mick Cronin says, I want to come back to Louisville. Explain to people that don't know Louisville on a day-to-day -day basis, they only know kind of the mess that it's been the last six, seven years. Explain why it is still a top 10 job in college basketball. The history is the biggest one just because you had two coaches that were really good. And, but again, you're now having to step up to their standard, Denny Crum and Rick Pitino, that if you, you have the resources here that if you can coach, you can win. You've got fan support. You've got, uh, a, you've got money, resource, you know, when I say resources, I guess I mean money. This school will invest in, in, in the basketball program. The city of Louisville itself outside of the school needs the basketball program to do well. It's we the University of Louisville's basketball program is the pro team in the city of Louisville. Louisville is the one of the biggest markets. I think it might be the biggest market that does not have any professional sports team. So Louisville basketball is that. It's an NBA arena. You feel big time. You are there's not a city in America as big as Louisville where you are that you are that level of a of a star. In, as the basketball coach, it's just you, you don't see it very, very, you don't see it elsewhere. You can clearly go to other programs where that would be the case, but it's not a city like Louisville that is big, that has the Kentucky Derby, that basketball matters a lot. It's a basketball state and certainly a basketball city. So it, 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 you can make a lot of money. If you can do your job, you can get players. You can rely on the history. I mean, it's, there's, there's, you know, the only thing that I can bring, I mean, again, Denny Crum, Rick Pitino. When Rick Pitino left, why did he leave? Scandal, issues, right? The program was in a tough spot. That's the only thing that came up as a potential downfall when the job came open last time. And it's still the case as we speak today, and it's maybe not as good now because the Mac era didn't work out. But what's the, what, you know, I think, I think there are certain jobs that I would clearly put ahead of Louisville. It's not the best job, but all the other jobs I would put ahead, I think Louisville can still claim they offer what that job offers. Maybe not just as much, if that makes sense. For example, Kentucky's the best job in college basketball, in my opinion. You've had, what, five, six coaches win a national championship there? That is proof you can do it. If you can coach, you got the resources there. They're going to support you. You can do it. You know, Carolina, I'd put them right behind them because they've, they've, they've done it with other coaches as well. Louisville, it's just two, and it was a long tenure time. And if it was three or four, I think it'd be a different conversation. But it's not. So it, it's they a top 10 job. I think it's like probably seven, eight. They, they oh, had two coaches for 40 years. That's why they haven't had, they just haven't had it. It's like, I'm not trying to do the thing, but it's kind of like UConn. It's like, I mean, you can argue like, oh, you know, other school, like, yeah. So, you know, you, whatever, I'm not trying to, you know, North Carolina's had four or five. Yeah. They've just been relevant for longer, but the only reason you kind of, I don't know, maybe that's a bad, maybe that's a bad parallel. I don't know. I, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Yeah, Louisville is is, I think, what I would what I don't know is do coaches feel that pressure because it's easy to say it now because you could see when things were not working out and I mean it it spiraled for Chris Mack as we discussed because he had some early success not a lot of people thought like man think about those shoes he's going to have to fill and you know that's something that that can weigh on people I mean, and look whoever takes this unless it's Kenny Payne. And look, maybe it's not, maybe somebody won't because coaches are super confident in themselves and they yeah. think, hey, even if this coach failed here, doesn't mean that I will. 
but I, I think Chris Mack would 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 speak highly of the job if a potential candidate asked him about it. He'd also be honest about some of the behind the scenes stuff and whatnot in the administration, but that's all changed. All the people that were not helping Mac are gone. Um, but I think he would also tell them, you know, the expectation and pressure is more than you would ever even know. And there's only like a handful of programs that can say that. And Louisville's one of them. No, but it is also, it is the inverse. And our buddy, Matt Jones from Sports radio said that on Tuesday or Wednesday, he said like, there are guys that thrive in that environment. Um, you know, and I've, I've used the example, I've talked about it before, but um, you know, when Cal Perry, when I wrote my book on Kentucky, I asked Cal Perry, you know, you had things rolling at Memphis. Why did you leave Memphis? And he's like, because when Kentucky calls and offers you their job, you don't say no. Uh, Mick Cronin, I interviewed him when he got the job. He said something very similar at UCLA. When UCLA calls, you don't say no. And I think Louisville could be one of those jobs for the right guys. So Real quick, I guess we'll start to wrap. Like, what are the next steps? I mean, because I, I think I saw where the interim AD says he wants to make that hire, but I don't know if that's the best thing for Louisville. I mean, what what are the next what are the next steps here? Oh, oh, I don't. Yeah. I, go go ahead, go ahead. I have another one. I, I have another one too. I was going to say the next steps. I think are to, uh, I mean, j- see what kind of interest you can feel that now that it's public, the job is going to be open. I mean. If they act quickly, then it's going to be Kenny Payne, I would think. But I, I just think it's wild that this hire is such an important hire for Louisville and people are seemingly content with an interim AD making the decision. I think you'd have even le- – not Josh Hurd's interim athletic, interim athletic director, and he may be hired full-time. I, I know Josh a little bit, and I think he's doing a great job, all things considered. But if you call me and talk to me about a job and you can't confirm that you're going to be my boss, that's going to be a huge factor in our conversation. There's no way around that. So – but you also don't want to rush into hiring a full-time AD just because of the circumstances. So, you know, I, I, I think they're going to have a search firm to, to fully go out and look for an AD. They're going to have a full search and they're going to interview minority candidates. And even if heard it ends up being the guy, they're going to look elsewhere as they should. So I, I would speed up that process. You can hire an AD without a president. You can, um, AD, presidents aren't as involved in, in stuff as, as, as they, they are. They shouldn't be involved in athletics as much as they've been at Louisville in recent years. But nonetheless, that's the first step is to finalize your AD process. You wait it out. Wait till, coach, wait till see, coaches finish their current seasons and then see what kind of interest you should get. You don't need to rush this at all. Um, so that, that's, that's, that's what I believe the process is going to be. I think it'll be many months down the road before we find out. And I think that's the right move to make. And look, even if you go if you go through that process and it still ends up being Kenny Payne, fine. But if you hired Kenny Payne like two weeks from now, I, I think that's a complete rush, and you'll never really know who you could have gotten. And that's not to dis that's not to discount Kenny Payne. Like I don't think he should be in the mix because the pitch that he's going to have is going to be super enticing. But this is Louisville. Open it up. I'll be I'll be consistent. Duke. And, and especially Carolina, what are you doing? Open it up. You might get Jay Wright to say, you know what, this is great, but Carolina called. Mark Fusett might say, look, I was going to retire here, but my God, Carolina opened up. Louisville's not Carolina. Louisville's not Duke, but it's Louisville. So don't just rush into judge. Don't go rushing into something because of the circumstances. You don't have to rush it, uh, but that's me. I, as you can tell in this conversation, I don't know what, what they're going to do because nobody, nobody even knows who's really in charge. It's wild. I don't think you listened to the Aaron Torres podcast last week because I did a huge segment on Hubert Davis. Uh, like, who knows if he's the guy, if he's not the guy, but how are you going to just hire this guy without, you know, d- doing the, the 
LSU, Brian Kelly, uh, USC, Lincoln Riley move. I, I, I feel you on that. I feel you on that. And think about it. Think about it this way too. Like with with Hubert Davis, the only reason I could think of that look, Louisville may be forced to do this because they may find throughout agents and this search process that look, you, the guys you think might be interested, they ain't picking up a phone. And if that's the case, it's the optics. You don't want to be swinging and missing and looking like your job's falling. That's Tennessee football. Carolina. Could have been turned down by Mark Few. Could have been turned down by Jay Wright. Could have been turned down by Chris Beard. Whoever. And people would still say, well, it's Carolina. Their job is so elite, it doesn't matter if anybody turns it down. Sure. No, it's true. And then you can always – you. I mean, we don't need to get into Carolina thing here, but you could have hired Hubert Davis in mid-April and just said, look, you know, we, we always considered Hubert a candidate. We just wanted to do our due diligence. We owe it to the fan base, whatever. Uh, two quick questions will get you out of here. On the Louisville front. I, I, you know, I'm curious if, if there are real candidates, like, like elite guys that really do want this job, Mick Cronin, um, Nate Oates, Bruce Pearl, and I'm not speculating that they do, but if they are the one thing that, and you and I talked about this a little bit too, I don't think like the casual fan understands how buyouts work and how like there's real world, like you can't like. Yes, you can hire Mark Few if you're Carolina, but you're going to pay him a lot of money. You're going to pay Gonzaga a lot of money to get him. And so I bring it up because, you know, I, I looked it up. I think Nate Oates is in the eight to nine million dollar range. I think Eric Musselman's somewhere in that eight to nine million dollar range. I think uh, Mick Cronin is in that. So, like, I guess the point I'm trying to make, Bruce Pearl's a little bit smaller at four. Um, does Louisville have the money? You know, because we, we always assume, oh, this school has that, this school has that. Is look. If, if they need to pay $7 million a year for a coach, if they need to basically do what USC football and LSU football did, are they going to be able to come up with the funds to – if the guy that they want wants the job but there's financial stuff, is that going to keep them from getting the guy that they want? I would say – I mean, there's always a chance you could get outpriced, but – it's either you're going in full, t- you know, you're committing to the money or you're not, you know what I mean? You're either going to go the cheap route or you're going to say money's not going to be an issue. I think money has been the school itself, Vince Tyre, former athletic director who stepped aside. The one thing he was very much praised for during his time at UofL by others. In fact, he has the reason he had offers from other schools and he's going to be a consultant for other athletic departments is because he did a really good job of managing money. He's a business, he's a business, he has a business background. They made money during COVID when most didn't. So Wow. To answer your question, I think they have themselves in a decent spot financially. But what I've learned as of late is the people who have a lot of money that are close to L, the donors and the boosters, they don't have a Papa John Schneider anymore. He's not around. But they have other people that have a lot of money too, not to his level, that recently – and it could be all talk. This is one thing I got – there's people who claim they got all this money and they'll do all that until it's time to do all that with the money. But Louisville basketball means so much to them, and to see it where it is now has led to these people letting other folks know, hey – Whatever. I've got money. I'll help you out. So I think Louisville, if, if they commit to going with a with a big name that they think they can get, if the money's right, I think they will make the move financially to do so. I think they'll get the, I think they'll get the backing and the donations, maybe not to the extent of what Indiana did when they tried to go get Brad Stevens last year. But there are a few folks around L that would help out in a major way if it meant they could get the guy they want. And the guy everybody at Louisville, not everybody. I don't think there's a hire everybody is all in on. But it seems like a good chunk of the Louisville fan base says, if you can go get Bruce Pearl, go get him. Real quick on Bruce Pearl, NCAA background, is that going to be a deal breaker? Because Chris Mack got a six-game suspension for essentially essentially non-violations. And it was because Louisville is so overzealous about the past that they want to correct it. 
so yesterday, and by the way, the person who was in charge of punishing Mac for that is no longer here. Um, that's the president. So um, I don't think it'll be, I mean, it, I think moving forward, it would be something that they will use more common sense on than just overreacting. But yesterday in the, in the presser, interim AD Josh Hurd was asked about, will an NCAA background, will an NCAA compliance issue background impact your candidates, your list? And he said, I'll just say this. Uh, we will hire coaches who have uh, the utmost integrity. And a lot of people said, well, that means not hiring Bruce Pearl. That means he's not hiring, you know, whoever's got an NCAA pass, even, even Kelvin Sampson. I'll just say this. Find the coach that has the least integrity, that people believe is a slime ball, scumbag, dirty, paying players, just Bill Self. He's got five level one violations at Kansas. You go ask the Kansas AD if Bill Self has integrity, they would – they would laugh at you for even questioning the coach's integrity. So ADs are going to be the mouthpiece. And if, if they brought in the biggest cheater in the world, they would talk him up like he's got a lot of integrity. So I didn't put as much into that as others. I mean, I don't think they, the optics aren't great. If you do fire Bruce Pearl, cause then you're thinking to yourself, why'd you get rid of Rick Pitino? So um, I think it'll be something they're aware of, but I think they also know they really need to make this higher and they need to win. So therefore, and people just aren't as aren't as sensitive to that kind of stuff anymore. A lot of people don't really care about that kind of, you know, I mean, not to say it's all the wild, wild west, but like fans aren't going to lose sleep if they hired a coach who got a level two or something in the past. All right. Last one. You just mentioned the name. I've heard some rumblings that some schools are starting to, to poke around on our old buddy, Rick Pitino. Do you think he'll, he will be at a power five, power six? It's not going to be Louisville. Power five, power six. You think there is a power five, power six job in his future before he, I don't know if he'll ever retire. He might just pull a Bayheim and just coach till he's 90. But uh, it, will he ever coach at a power five, power six again? Yes. Uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that he found a way to randomly sneak in in a tweet yesterday that, He's got 20 more years left coaching. I don't think oh, that was wow. I didn't all. see that. Yeah. He was mentioning some kind of drill, and then he just like uh, – he was mentioning some game from way back in the day that he was reminiscing on about a great finish, and he said, come on, Iona, I only got 20 more years left of coaching. I mean, he does have a – I think he – does he have a $10 million buyout? I mean, I believe I heard that, but I don't know if that's actually true. I think anyway, when Iona signed, he, I think when he first – I mean, this is now what, year three or year – this is year two, I guess. So if you're Iona, you you hire Rick Pitino because what do you have to lose your Iona? But also you think to yourself, well, if it does work out, he ain't staying here. He'll get it. So you use it as a chance to make money, right? So oh, yeah. it's a win-win for them. It's the same thing that Western Kentucky did when Bobby Petrino was untouchable and they hired him and they made money and they yeah. it was it was a it was a good relationship thing. So um I would say that, yes, he will, because I think he'll – I mean, he's still a phenomenal coach. And I get annoyed when people are like, say what you want about Rick Pitino, but the man can coach. Whoever – who in the hell said he couldn't? It's it, The reason Rick Pitino was untouchable was because of other things that have transpired during his time there. Nobody's ever said the guy can't coach. He's one of the best of all time. And, you know, I know he can't come back to Louisville, and he's not going to. But, yeah, if I'm – if I'm – if I'm uh, – if, if I'm Georgetown, you know, Georgetown, Big East – Patrick Ewing, that ain't working out. Like, why not if you're Georgetown? I mean, do it. He'd take the job. I mean, there's going to be – the thing that I don't think people realize, there's going to be – and I think I texted you this. There's going to be a lot of jobs that open up this year. There's not oh, yeah. enough candidates. I mean, look at, you know, who Louisville might and might not get. And Louisville's a lot better job than a lot of these places. But Georgia's going to open up. South Carolina's probably going to open up. Uh, you mentioned Georgetown. Maryland's already there. 
there's other ones. Missouri, there's a lot. So it only takes one, man. It only takes one. And uh, I don't know. I, I think he'll be back there sooner rather than later. So that's all I got, Nick. That's no, all I want I got. it to happen. I want it to happen. I just want to see what would happen. I mean, I'm not, you know, the, they've already gone through one coach since Patino, so it's whatever. I don't, you know, I don't necessarily root him on and, and tune in every night, but he's one of the best of all time, and uh, I would love to see what would happen if he gets another chance at a bigger school because I think he'd have success. Well, and, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a couple that I think are going to regret not doing it, and it's just like, you know, somebody's going to do it at some point, and it's like once they do – Nobody, like you said, nobody cares about what happened in the past, right? I mean, I think actually Bruce Pearl's a perfect example. Somebody was going to hire him. It's Auburn. And now Auburn's number one in the freaking country. And, you know, I, I don't know who else was hired the year he was, but I would guess none of those hires were as good as Bruce Pearl. And so, you know, I, I said last year, I thought, yeah, I thought last year Boston College should have done it. I thought last year UNLV should have done it. I thought four years ago when UNLV hired Otzelberger, they should have done it. So there, there's enough. But anyway, Nick Coffee, 790KRD, Louisville. Uh, what do you got? So so you just are you, are the phone lines just opening? Are people just throwing out ridiculous names? Is that what the show is basically is right now? Oh, yeah. I mean, people are, you know, and I I had a segment this morning where I was like, all right, you guys going to have to be more clear. Are you having fun with me? Are you really mentioning <laughs> names? Like when people say Brad Stevens and Billy Donovan, I know they're making a joke. When they say Bruce Weber or, you know, um gosh uh fran mccaffrey like no like like that's not funny and it, you know it, 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 like i can't help but you know laugh at you and mock you if the, you know somebody said how about shaka smart i said how about no shaka smart has been a loser just about everywhere he's gone since he since he left vcu i mean he's doing well at marquette now but like shaka smart wasn't his is no shaka smart wasn't qualified ahead of mac last time it opened and he's even less qualified now well, there's going to be an interesting chapter right on Shaka Smart. If he's awesome at Marquette, Barnes turns around Tennessee immediately, and Chris Beard does not work at Texas, that'll be an interesting conundrum, although Texas just steamrolled somebody the other night. But Texas looks like crap. Shaka looks awesome. I think it might be a Texas thing. But anyway, no no Texas talk today. Uh, Nick Coffey, 790 KRD in Louisville. Uh, dude, this was great. We'll do it again soon. I think we'll have I'm sure we will. Yeah, we'll do it in April. When they finally hire an AD and we get a coach on like uh, April 27th or something like that. So sounds good, man. All right. Nick Coffey, 790KRD in Louisville. Uh, make sure to listen to him, the Red Zone, 790KRD, Monday through Friday, 7 to 10 Eastern Time. I am out of here for today. All right. We're going to get back to the show in a minute. But before we do, want to welcome back our partners, our good friends, DraftKings of the DraftKings Sportsbook. That's right. Conference Championship Week is here, and our partners at DraftKings Sportsbook have their best offer yet for new users. First-time users. Here's the deal. Bet $5 on the money line. Any team this weekend, playoffs, Kansas City. You can bet Cincy. You can bet L.A. You can bet San Francisco. Bet $5 on them on the money line. And if that team wins, you get an automatic $280 in free bets if that team wins, courtesy of the DraftKings DraftKings Sportsbook. Again, $5 money line. Don't have to pick a spread. Don't have to pick an over-under. Money line. $5 winner. If that team wins, $280 in free bets. Here's how you take advantage of that promo. First of all, go ahead, show description, Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to this show. Go ahead in the show description, click the link, and sign up for a new DraftKings Sportsbook account and make your first deposit. Bet $5 on any team. 
And if that team wins, you get an automatic $280 in free bets. Thanks to our partners at DraftKings and the DraftKings Sportsbook, it is the best offer going. Championship week is here, so act now. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537 in Illinois. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Wyoming, 1-800-9-WITH-IN Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia, 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, or call or text Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789 again in Tennessee. Must be 21 plus or over in Enter, 18 plus or over in Wyoming, Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, New York, Louisiana only. Minimum $5 deposit, minimum $5 wager. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for full terms and conditions. All right, everybody. I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Do want to wrap the show? First of all, thank you. DraftKings, DraftKings Sportsbook. Thank you to our partners. Again, if you live in a state, legal online sports gambling, first-time users, link in the show description, $5 money line bet. I had an 18 playing this weekend. Could be Cincinnati, could be Casey, could be who else? LA or San Francisco. Bet $5. If that team wins, $280 in free bets. Link is in the show description for listeners of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Click the link, sign up, tell them Torres sent you, and have a fun old time. Speaking of fun old time, you know what, you know what this weekend is? It's the SEC Big 12 Challenge of college basketball, and I'll say this. I know the last few weekends I've kind of said, look, college basketball sort of takes a backseat to the NFL when we get these wild card and divisional round weekends where you have games on Saturday and Sunday. There's no NFL on Sunday, on Saturday this week, and so because of it, we have an absolutely loaded slate of college basketball. We have the Big 12 SEC Challenge, and for people who are just getting into college basketball, don't know the whole schedule, how it works, this is the typical cross-conference matchup where we get 10 matchups between the Big 12 and the SEC, and here's the great part about it. You could argue these are the two best, te- two best conferences in college basketball right now. I think the Big East is up in that short conversation. But I bring it up because guess what? It means that we get a ton of good matchups this weekend. Kansas hosting Kentucky, West Virginia going to Arkansas. We got Oklahoma, Auburn. We got Baylor, Alabama. And we have in the nightcap, uh, Tennessee, Rick Barnes going to Texas. So with that said, let's talk about some of these matchups. Let's talk about some of these games. I will wrap with my championship game picks in the NFL. But really quickly, let's start with the college, with, with the college basketball. A lot of good games. First one, first really big one. Okay, so we have TCU, LSU early. Uh, LSU is still banged up. I thought LSU had a very nice win on Wednesday night against Texas A&M at home. They play TCU. That is in the early window. We'll see if LSU is healthy. But let's start with that 2 p.m. Eastern time window. Oklahoma traveling to the number one team in the country, Auburn. Auburn, their second game is the number one team. First game came on Tuesday. After that, Wednesday, Bruce Pearl joins the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. And if you listen to that show, Coach Pearl sounded genuinely concerned about Oklahoma, a team that had been struggling, a team that comes into this game at 13-7 and overall, 3-5 and in the Big 12. But what I will say is this. Oklahoma did go on the road on Wednesday night, beat West Virginia, and I think Oklahoma's a live dog. And, you know, I'm not going to do, my, uh, you know, point spreads and betting picks and all that stuff. You can follow me on Instagram for my betting picks come Saturday morning. 
But I think Oklahoma's a really talented team, and I think what Bruce Pearl said was, look, they're a team that's fighting to get onto the bubble and get off of the bubble and into the NCAA tournament field. And what he said was he believes that Oklahoma comes into this game knowing that, oh, by the way, if they beat the Auburn Tigers at Auburn Arena, Oklahoma is now off of the bubble and into the NCAA tournament, and so this game means a ton. Oklahoma, what you need to know, what they do really well, uh, they do shoot the three ball pretty well, about 34% from three. Their best player is Tanner Groves. You may remember that name. He was actually at Eastern Washington last year, played in the NCAA tournament, dropped like 34 points on Kansas, almost pulled the upset. He has since transferred to Oklahoma. But Oklahoma, I believe, is going to be an interesting team, a dynamic team. And then it's, again, how does Auburn respond to being ranked number one in the country? They had that huge game last Saturday against Kentucky. They end up winning. They struggle against Missouri, find a way to win. How do they bounce back against an aggressive, hungry Oklahoma team? I do think Auburn wins, but I also think this game will be pretty close. Oklahoma not a great rebounding team. Turned the ball over way too much under Porter Mosier. Remember, Porter Mosier is their head coach. Uh, Porter Mosier, of course, came from Loyola Chicago. They do play very good defense, and I can see them keeping it close. But I talked to Porter Mosier over the summer, and even he admitted, he's like, you know, I just don't know if we have enough playmakers, enough guys that can just go get us buckets. So I do think Auburn pulls away late. But if this one is close early, I would not be surprised. Let's go from that 2 o'clock Eastern window to the 4 o'clock Eastern window. Two really big games in that one. We'll start with West Virginia, Arkansas. Two teams going in two different directions, but I don't think it necessarily means what you think it means. So the team's going in different directions. West Virginia is coming into this game with four straight losses. Arkansas coming in with five straight wins. So I think the natural inclination is Arkansas is going to steamroll them. Arkansas is awesome. West Virginia is terrible. Except here's the thing. Look at West Virginia's loss. At Kansas, top 10 team. Baylor at home, top 10 team. At Texas Tech, which I would argue is somewhere between a top 10 to top 15 team, maybe closer to top 10 to top 15. Oklahoma at home on Wednesday, no excuse, you got to win that game. But really, three of those four losses are to probably three of the top 12 teams in college basketball. Arkansas, on the other hand, not taking away what Arkansas has done. Five straight wins, but the best wins were against... Uh, we're against LSU on the road. LSU, of course, was really banged up. No Xavier Pinson in that game. And then on top of that, uh, also, uh, you know, also they they took care of Texas A&M. That was the second time they had played A&M in, in about three in about uh, a week or so. So got the back half of A&M. But I think this is an interesting game and an important game for both. For Arkansas, listen, you're slowly starting to build back up after starting 0-3 in SEC play. I know this isn't an SEC game. I know it doesn't count towards the standings. But this would be a great way to put some momentum going into February with a sixth straight win and a big out-of-conference win on a, and a resume that frankly doesn't have a ton of big out-of-conference wins. They did beat Kansas State earlier. They did beat uh, Cincinnati in that tournament that they played earlier in the season. But they don't have a ton of great resume wins. This would be a big one. This would be a big one. Yes, it's at home. Yes, West Virginia's struggling. And then from West Virginia's perspective, I, you know, I, I still, it's hard for me to bet against a Bob Huggins coach team to be able to figure it out. The, I will say the Big 12 is very tough, though. It's hard to find wins on the resume. West Virginia desperately needs this. I think they will be a live dog when they do go to Fayetteville. I'm not picking them to win. But if you think they're going to lie down just because they've lost four in a row and Arkansas has won five straight, I don't buy it. What I would say about Arkansas finally 
It feels a lot like last year. It's starting to feel a lot like last year where it took a while for Coach Muss, Eric Musselman, friend of the podcast, to figure out lineups, to figure out who fits where, who plays well together. Um, it seems like he's very much putting the ball in J.D. Note's hands, saying, J.D., go make plays. J.D. Note has been absolutely awesome over the last couple weeks. Some other guys, unfortunately, like a Chris Likes, has seen his playing time limited. But J.D. Note, it's funny because I thought um, – you know, coming into the season, I thought Devo Davis would be their best player, their, maybe the SEC leading scorer. It's actually J.D. Note averaging close to 19 a game, four and a half rebounds, three and a half assists, two and a half steals, playing really, really good basketball. Also in that 4 p.m. window, you talk about a game that matters. Baylor at Alabama. And look, Baylor, they struggled. They lost two in a row at home, but they've won three straight. The story here to me, as far as I'm concerned, is Alabama. Alabama has what I would argue to be the most interesting resume in college basketball. Alabama in the out-of-conference beat Gonzaga in the state of Washington on what was technically a neutral court, but it was basically a home game for Gonzaga. They then a week later beat a really good Houston team. When Houston was at full strength, Houston is now a top 10 team in the country. The problem is once SEC play started, Alabama has really, really, really struggled and has not been able to figure it out. They, to their credit, have mostly taken care of everything at home. Their only loss at home this season was to Auburn, the number one team in the country. But last three road games, at Missouri loss, at Mississippi State loss, at Georgia loss, those are not three of the tougher road games that Alabama is set to play here. They actually go to Auburn next week. They still have later in the season a trip to Kentucky, a trip to LSU. So Alabama right now is really struggling. They're 13-7. and seven. And what I'll say is this. I don't really know exactly how to diagnose Alabama's problems. Now, I will say I don't think they're nearly as good of a three-point shoot, shooting team this year as they were last year. That's obvious. It goes without saying. They're shooting about 31% from three this year. They were closer to about 35, 35.5% last year. And I do think that matters, right? Like, like you know, the, the old cliche, live by the three, die by the three, that does kind of annoy me. I do think it's kind of a dumb cliche at some times. But at the same time, what I would also say is this. And to be clear, I'm not criticizing Nate Oates, and Nate Oates knows more basketball. Nate Oates forgot more basketball since I started this segment than I'll know in my whole life. So this is not a criticism of Nate Oates. He's a great coach. But, you know, the whole premise of that offense is high percentage shots, right? Shots at the rim. If not, get fouled, go to the three-point line, or go to the free-throw line, or shoot three-pointers because uh, a mid-range two is worse than a, a, a three because you got to make fewer three-pointers than you do mid-range twos. The problem is you do still have to make some three-pointers at some point, and Alabama is really struggling to do that right now. And so the credit to Alabama is they have found ways to win at home. That includes a win over Houston at home. That includes a win over LSU at home. But I do worry that about them coming into this game. Uh, from a, a, a perspective, I would probably lean Baylor I don't love either side from a betting perspective uh, because Alabama's capable. They just haven't figured it out, or they, they did figure it out, and then they've forgotten it. Nate Oates, to his credit, has done everything he can. He's switched up lineups. He's changed this. He's done that. Nothing seems to work. Alabama, at this point, you know, you lose to Georgia earlier this week. It's hard to say that they're definitively going to turn it around. I do still trust Nate Oates, but I worry about this Alabama team. I would lean Baylor in this game. Let's go to the 6 p.m. window. Probably the marquee game of the day as the old Kentucky Wildcats travel to face Kansas. Two really interesting teams. Two teams that I think are legitimate top 10 teams. Uh, obviously two Blue Bloods, that goes without saying. But then to me, what's especially interesting about it is this. 
Two teams that I think are, are kind of in a weird space. Starting with Kansas, I don't think Bill Self yet knows exactly who his guys are and how they all fit together and who plays well together and all that stuff. Uh, you know, uh, first of all, they barely survived at home against a good Texas Tech team on Monday, big Monday, lost in double overtime. But I bring it up because they easily could have lost that game. But on top of that, what's especially interesting is kind of the rotations and the players that he is playing. Uh, David McCormick, his best big guy at times, has come off the bench this year. Remy Martin, who was supposed to be the difference-making transfer. He was actually the Big 12 preseason player of the year, which I, I, I thought was a little bit much. But Remy Martin was injured. Now he's coming off the bench. And I think Bill Self is still trying to figure out what works, who works together, all that good stuff. Do I think he'll figure it out? Yes. Does he have an absolute All-American in Ochai Abaji who forced double overtime with an incredible three-point shot? against Texas Tech the other night he does but outside Ochai Abaji outside Christian Brown I do question a lot of what is going on at Kansas John Calipari on the other hand I think John Calipari knows exactly what he has I just think he's got to get his guys healthy uh Ty Ty Washington his star freshman guard went down with an injury the other day against Auburn he did not play in a, a win over Mississippi State in overtime the other night but here's the thing Ty Ty Washington may be back for this game but then he had two other players leave with ankle injuries. Oscar Sheboy left with an ankle injury against Mississippi State. He did return, and he had another 20-rebound game. No big deal. Um, and Jacob Toppin returned, uh, left the game with an ankle injury. So the buzz coming out of Kentucky camp is all three could be available for this game. Oscar Sheboy did finish the game against Mississippi State. Oscar Sheboy actually said in the post-game press conference that he expects Ty Ty Washington to play in this game. But I just bring it up to say that this is not going to be an easy one for either side. Um, and we'll see what happens. I, I, I do, if, if I, right now as I record here Thursday night, you can't bet it because you don't know who's going to play for Kentucky. If I knew that Kentucky had its full team and it was close to 100%, I would probably take Kentucky because I just saw Kentucky in a tough road environment last week at full strength against Auburn. The big question is, is everybody going to be healthy? Until then, it remains to be seen. I would lean Kansas if Kentucky doesn't have their guys. If Kentucky is at full strength, I would take Kentucky. And then finally, how about this? My guy, Rick Barnes, friend of the air, Torres Pod, Big Rick Energy. You know where he coached before he was at Tennessee? He was at Texas. You know where they're playing this weekend? They're playing at Texas. So really interesting game. And again, one that I know you guys come here, me, I'm supposed to give you definitive answers. This is how it's going to go down. I don't think I can sit here and say anything definitively because Tennessee has won three of its, has won its last three and four of its last five. But if you look at the wins at Vanderbilt, LSU and LSU was down a million guys and against Florida when they fell down early. I still think Tennessee's trying to figure things out. I still think they probably play too many guys and they need to tighten their rotation. Uh, against uh, Vanderbilt, they played 11 different guys. Against Florida the other night, they played 11 different guys. And I get it. I get it. Guys work hard in practice. You want to reward them. It's just really, really, really tough. And you got to figure out who are the guys that are going to get you W's. I do think that Rick Barnes is starting to kind of shorten that rotation. He basically only played eight guys real minutes the other night. So to me, I think he's starting to figure it out. And Texas is just a total wild card. I, I've said it on the show. I picked Texas early in the season to compete for a national championship. I called them uh, the next great power under Chris Beard. But I'm telling you, I watched them the other night, and I really do think that they have a lot of work to be done. I know they just kicked TCU's butt in what was 
TCU's best game of the season so far, or uh, Texas's best game of the season so far against a good TCU team. I don't know that I fully believe that they have figured it out, but do I totally trust Tennessee? No. So to me, what I would say is I think all these games are going to be really competitive. I don't really have any strong leans except that I do think Auburn, number one team in the country, is going to be able to pull away late against Oklahoma. So how about that for a hot take? I I think the number one team in the country is going to win at home on Saturday. Go me. I'm so incredible. That's such a hot take. But, you know, Bama, Bama, Baylor, I could see going either way. Bama already has a couple nice wins on the level of Baylor. They can add another one. I don't think they will. West Virginia at Arkansas. West Virginia, you're going to get the hungriest, angriest West Virginia that you've ever seen, although I do like Arkansas. Kentucky, Kansas, you just don't know who's going to play. Tennessee, again, uh, with Rick Barnes. So, fun weekend in college basketball, and we will obviously be here to recap it all on Monday. Finally! NFC Championship game, AFC Championship game. I mean, I got to talk about it, right? I mean, I did 45 minutes on the NFL playoffs the other day, right? Got to talk about it, right? Well, let's talk about it. And these are two that I, I also have no strong opinions on. Wow. They call they used to call me hot take tours. Now I'm weak take tours because I got no strong takes. I'm freezing cold take tours. I got no real takes. Um, what I would say about this game is pretty straight, about these games is pretty straightforward. I think the Cincinnati Bengals story is really, really, really cool. I think we all love Joe Burrow. I think we all love Jamar Chase, especially after we found out this week that Les Miles didn't want him to play wide receiver. Uh, but I do think this ends here, right? And, and the Cincinnati story was unbel- it is unbelievable. We love Joe Burrow, as I said. We love Jamar Chase. We love the story. Cincinnati also got sacked nine times the other day and had three interceptions of Ryan Tannehill, and they still need a last-second field goal to win. So just think about what I just said. Cincinnati got sacked nine times, and needed three interceptions just to be in position to kick a last-second field goal to beat Tennessee. Does that sound like the kind of team that's going to beat uh, Patrick Mahomes at Arrowhead? And I know Cincinnati just beat him a few weeks ago, and I know Joe Burrow outdueled Patrick Mahomes. I don't think lightning strikes twice in this situation, and I really do like Cincinnati to, win, or Cincinnati to lose to Kansas City. I will say Kansas City 40-17, uh, to 40-21. The Kansas City Chiefs headed to their third straight Super Bowl after their fourth straight AFC Championship game. On the other side, L.A., San Francisco, again, two teams that just played a few weeks ago, and I know that San Francisco just won at SoFi Stadium a few weeks ago. But I got to be real. This Rams team kind of feels like a team of destiny, doesn't it? Go to Tampa. Tom Brady leads a, a fourth quarter, three-score comeback, and the Rams still win in regulation? And the Rams still win in regulation? You're going to bet against the Rams at home, and I know it's a big story of San Francisco fans are buying up tickets, and you can't buy tickets if you don't live in L.A. I, I get all that. But one team has Matthew Stafford, Odell Beckham, Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Sony Michelle, Cam Aker. I mean, you go on and on down the list, and it goes back to what I said on Monday's show, is you give credit to L.A., they're all in, and all of those guys that they traded for are having an impact. I didn't even mention Jalen Ramsey, maybe the best cover corner in the league. And so you have a situation where Rams are at home, Rams really are pretty, pretty much the dominant team at every single position. They have the superior quarterback, I don't really see the scenario where San Francisco wins this game again. I just think you look back to the Tampa Bay game the other day. Tom Brady, um, you know, Tom Brady leads this this wild comeback. But even in that game, 
It was the defensive line that got on Tom Brady. It was the defensive line that allowed them to get up to that big lead by completely dominating the line of scrimmage. Matt Stafford was great early. Matt Stafford was great late making that play to Cooper Cup. And I bring it up to say, I think the Rams win that one too. I think the final score is, I don't know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 27 to 17. The LA Rams are headed to the Super Bowl. We will get an LA Rams, Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl in SoFi Stadium in a few weeks. All right, I think that's it for this episode of the Air Tour Sports Podcast. It's time for me to get out of here. Before we do, I want to make sure that you are subscribed. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you are subscribed to the Air Tour Sports Podcast. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres. On, it, on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram. Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. Make sure you're following all of the social media platforms at Torres on UK, at Torres on Bama, at Torres on the Hogs, at Torres on UConn. Whatever your team is, we got a page for you. And if we don't have a page, we're going to start one up soon. But with that said, it is time for me to get out of here. It's time to get going. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel who hates my voice. Shout out to Rick Barnes headed back to Austin this week. And that'll be fun, right? You want to watch Rick Barnes, right? You know who's going to be also coming back? Torres, Monday, Aaron Torres Pod. Subscribe, rate, review. I'll see you on Monday. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.